0: We are in our, our vision series, uh, talking about these kind of four pillars of our mission. Um, really important to understand that they are four things that we as a church are, are wanting to, to move forward in. Um, so it's not kind of a pick and choose, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a bit of famine, I'm not sure about discipleship. It's like, oh no, these are, these are calls from God to, to do that. Um, but today we're talking about that uh, first pillar. It's not first in order but in some ways, it is. All of them will be happening all at the same time. But there is a really important foundation that if we're not making and maturing disciples, then we're not going to see the multiplication of God's kingdom. We're not going to see a healthy family. We're not going to see a transformed city and an impacted region. So today, talking about making and maturing disciples of Jesus. And man, I like, just really wrestled with this one uh, during the week. Uh, I've just never talked about discipleship before, and so it's a new topic for me. Uh, not really. Um... I feel like this is, this is like the thing I talk about the most. You probably pick, picked up on that. Um, but what I don't want to do is another message about discipleship that doesn't land and doesn't take root and doesn't produce fruit in your life. And I was just thinking, like, what's the, my starting point? is like, what's, what's my desire for you? And I think it's, it's God's desire for you. My desire is that you would just fall in love with him like just radically in love with God. And we know it's the greatest commandment and it's all throughout scripture and God is love and those things, but we can't just say it with our mouths and it not impact and and transform our very lives. Like it's going to look like something for us. And and I know there's a journey to come to that place and we're always deepening and growing in our love and it's always expanding. We're always discovering more of who he is, but if that's not our foundation and what we keep coming back to. And, you know, it's all about our first love, which is him. Um, and so we can talk about transforming a city, but if we, if we don't love him, it's just not going to work. Because <laughs> what's going to be the fruit is a bunch of people whose lives are different, but they haven't been transformed. They haven't been transformed into his likeness. They're not more in love with him every day, moving in that. And so... It's my desire for you. I know, I believe it's God's desire for you. So as we, as we talk about all of these things, just to know, it's like, yeah, there's this, I have a joyous expectation that you will fall more in love with him. So I'm not saying this is like, oh, it's going to be hard, but like, I'm just going to keep pushing it. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like, you can't make someone fall in love with someone. Um, all you can do is present how lovely he is, and we certainly do that in worship and worship um, and then just help people on that journey. And I think that's what Jesus called us to do as disciple makers in Matthew 28. Just go and make disciples. So let's go and invite people to become followers of Jesus as Jesus did. Like He, he said, come and follow me. He didn't say, you, I've now determined you are my follower. So I've determined that I'm choosing you to come follow me. But the disciples didn't have to drop their nets. Matthew didn't have to quit his job as a as a tax collector. He could have gone awesome. Thank you. I'll 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 catch up with you a bit later. Just finishing off some finances and it, it was an invitation but it it came with a response. And it came with a response of leaving everything behind to go after him and yeah. that's just what it takes unfortunately. But I feel like we've we maybe in the church in the last several generations has set the bar so low um, when Jesus actually set it really, really high. And I loved uh, this quote during the week, and uh, and it said, you know, the, the doorway to discipleship is wide, but the pathway is very narrow. So it's actually open to everyone and anyone. Uh, and yet, the, the way of Jesus is actually very narrow. And he lines it out, he maps it out for us. But if we think we're going to experience the fullness of the kingdom whilst making our own journey towards that, we're, we're sadly mistaken. You know, I was thinking about what does it, what does it actually mean? So we, we would all maybe call ourselves Christians. And I'm like, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, why? What identifies me as a Christian? Maybe it would be you'd think, oh, it's because I believe in Jesus. Right, cool, that's, that's a good reason. I think, yes, a, a believer in Jesus is, would be a Christian. But, but then I think about, well, I guess really Satan and demons believe in Jesus. They know who he is way more than we do. They see him more clearly than we do. So it's like, cool. So if I say, well, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus, then I'm on par with Satan and demons in terms of like my standards. It's like, cool, well, well, there must be more than that. Uh, Maybe it's, well, I come on a Sunday and I, and I do this and I worship God and I, and I do all those things and I'm like, cool, I mean, anyone can rock up, I guess, to a building on, a, on any given week and, and do those things, there's action, participation and stuff and maybe well I read my Bible, it's like, cool, well, I mean, there's lots of religions who even utilize passages of the Bible, there's cults that read the Bible and really anyone can pick up a book and read text on a page and... Clearly, all of the people that Jesus confronted, the religious people, they knew their Bible, again, way more than probably any of us ever will. It was very normal to memorize the first five books of the Bible. I've memorized half of Ephesians chapter three. I'm like, oh, that was a big effort, but you know, don't apologize. I'm saying five books of the Bible, half a chapter for me, but I'm not saying that's what it's all about, but... um, You know, maybe, well, that's because I pray, like I pray to Jesus. And I think, how many people, when they're in a really stuck place, they reach out and they pray, they pray to Jesus. They throw up a a prayer hoping, you know, maybe that'll stick and and land and and make some difference. And so, so I think about, yeah, what are all of these cultural things that we do, these practices and these behaviours that we would say, well, that's kind of what I do as a Christian, but does that make you a, a Christian? Does that make you a follower of Christ? And I'm not sure it does. I think they're all things that Christians do. But even the word Christian was a derogatory term that was put on the disciples, the followers of Jesus. And it means a little Christ. I was almost like, look at these guys, trying to be like little Jesuses. Ooh, look at them all. You think you're little, like you're little Jesuses. So they would slander them in that way. And it's only used a couple of times in the scriptures. But that's what they understood in themselves. Like, oh, no, no, they they took it on board. Like, oh, no, we are. Yes, we're becoming like little Jesuses. So they owned it. But to me, to be a Christian is to be a disciple. Like, there's no distinction between those two things. And yet it seems like culturally in the church... It's become normal just to kind of call yourself a Christian, yet not be a disciple, like a follower of Jesus, not pursuing him, not being transformed into his likeness. And just getting into this kind of rhythm of Christian activity that we go in week in, week out, and yet our lives stay the same, our reactions stay the same, our sin carries on in our lives. And then I think about it. I wonder if a lot of Christians actually just think that that's what Christianity is. Like, there's no expectation of change. I want to just ask yourself, like, do I expect that my life's going to change and be transformed by Jesus? Or am I just now doing different activities and sometimes struggling with it because I don't really enjoy it, you know? Like, what was this morning? 45, 50 minutes of worship. Like, oh, man, what a drag. I can handle 20, you know, it's about my limit, you know? But it's like... I never used to enjoy prayer, and then I encountered the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden I loved prayer. I necessarily, say I enjoyed worship, and then I encountered God, and now I love to worship Him because I love Him. Like that's, but that's all just where it bubbles up from—is just this overflow of, of love. But I wonder—is is the mark of discipleship—is it all about activity and understanding, like doing these things, and then growing in my knowledge of stuff? increasing in my knowledge of the Bible or is it more about intimacy and adoration? Is discipleship just grounded in this fact that I've said yes to Him and I'm just falling more and more in love with Him every single day? And it's as I adore Him and as I press in closer to know Him, not know about Him, but to know Him, then naturally in that process I'm transformed to become like Him. So discipleship is our work of participation in God's work of transformation. The whole purpose of being a disciple is to become like the one that you are following. So discipleship is the journey of becoming, and for us it's becoming like Jesus. And if we're not being discipled by Jesus, we are being discipled by someone or something. You will model your life, you will be influenced by other people or other ideas or other concepts. You can't help it. We're hardwired to mimic. Even as we're made in the image of God, we are made to be images of something and someone. We're created to be images of God. But if we're not focusing our attention on him, then we will become images of other things. This is why social media like this, there's some benefits of it, but the issue is of how it draws us in and draws our attention and draws our affection and sets a standard of this is what a good life looks like and if i look at what instagram puts out as good life and i look at what jesus says this is a good life often there's a pretty strong juxtaposition there pretty strong contradiction john 15:5 Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So in that place of intimacy, fruitfulness comes out. In our faithfulness to him, we, we produce that, that outcome. But I was just thinking this morning, imagine a world with millions of little Jesuses running around. Yeah. You think of the population of the world, there's seven billion, are we up to eight billion people yet? Seven billion. Two billion confessing Christians, somewhere around that. So almost a third of the population, according to what they call themselves, is like Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. One Jesus with 12 disciples transforms the world. Certainly the world is different. But if I think about it, if there was, even if there was one billion people who are like Jesus, that have been transformed into his likeness and doing the work that he did, surely the world would be a different place than what it is today. Surely. But maybe that core ingredient of discipleship has been lost in the church. Dallas Willard calls it the great omission we just lost this piece but it's a crucial piece and you can and you wonder why it's being lost because it's I mean it's hard but certainly the enemy's work to try and remove discipleship is incredibly important because you think about what one Jesus did to the devil you imagine the last thing he wants is more of that and yet that's what Jesus did. He's like, I, I showed you how. And then not only did I show you how to do it, not just so you can mimic it, now I'm going to go away and I'm going to send my spirit. And it's actually better for you that I go because as I go, then my spirit's going to come and my Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. And he's going to be the one that empowers you to do greater works than I. Who here feels like they're doing greater works than Jesus? Anyone? Anyone? Sorry, that was an a, uh, example of what it looks like to put your hand up, not me. So there's a challenge there. Well, God, it's a, it's a promise. It's what you said. I'll take you at your word, Jesus. But what am I doing in my life to move me towards doing the, the greater works than what Jesus did? So in order for us to do what Jesus did, we have to become like Jesus. In order to become like Jesus, we have to spend time with him and allow him to confront us and change us. But that's the journey of discipleship is looking at where am I like Jesus? I rejoice in that. Where am I not? Then I invite him in, change that place in me, Jesus. Change my heart, transform my heart. I react like that in that moment and I know Jesus, it's not how you would react. And I don't then go, oh, but I'm just thankful for mercy and grace so I don't get punished for my sin. Is that it? Jesus like, of course, how many times do you need to be reminded that I've paid the price for your sin? But I'm not wanting you to focus on what you're not doing. To be a disciple is to focus on what he is doing and moving towards that place. And I don't want to talk about that again, but it's... Burdens me that the gospel that we preach and so much of the Christian life can be about trying to avoid what the devil wants you to do, and we're constantly. I just got to come back to the cross. Come back to the. I've got to come back to the cross because I keep getting trapped by Satan. I come back to the cross. I've got to try. No, I'm not going to do what you want today, Satan. I'm not going We're not anti-Satan's. We're Christians. <laughs> so I've got to. You know, rather than going. I'm gonna, No, I'm not going to do what the devil wants. I'm not, you know, not going to do, devil, I know you want me to do it. I'm not going to do that today. Rather saying, I'm going to do what you want today, Jesus. I'm going to go after what you desire for me, Jesus. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm going to be right there with you in that place doing that thing. I guarantee if you pursue Jesus as he called you to, Matthew 6.33, to seek after his kingdom and his righteousness, you will not do the other things. You will not fulfill the will of the enemy if you pursue fulfilling the will of the Father. But if you if you stay focused on this side trying not to be a bad person, all that you'll get up is is the neutral ground and you'll land sitting on the fence and you'll be lukewarm and Jesus will say and want to spit you out of his mouth like in Revelation. Too hush? I didn't write it. (laughs) So who can be a disciple? Who can be a disciple? Anyone can be a disciple. Anyone with a desire to follow Jesus, that's all it takes. Yes, I, I just want to follow Jesus. There are no qualifications or disqualifications to becoming a disciple of Jesus. As I said, the doorway is white. And it's not to trick us in to then go, oh, now it's all of a sudden gotten hard. If you go read through the Gospels, you'll see how clear Jesus made it. He's like, he was not seeker sensitive in his approach. It's like, this is going to cost you your life. He says, even like a builder would consider, how much is this building going to cost? Jesus says, consider the cost of following me. It's going to cost you a lot. It might cost you your very life. That is the narrow road that he lays out. So it's important that we come in with a willingness to say, I know what it's going to cost me, Jesus. But I'm not just after a ticket to heaven one day. I want to live in heaven now. But the way, and that's what the disciples, early disciples called, they were called followers of the way. He says, there is a way that you can live that will give you access to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you can say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to go my way. So that's fine. You're actually free to do that. You're free to reject Christ at any moment, but you're not then going to enter into his kingdom. You're not going to experience the abundant life that he came to give you. So I I don't know why I'm like, I've said yes to Jesus. I just don't know why I'm not experiencing this fullness of life, this abundant life that he promised. Possibly it's because we're not following the way of Jesus. We're not yielded to his way. and So then we're not experiencing the fruitfulness that comes from that. So anyone can be a disciple who then can make disciples. I know sometimes this can be, there can be that sense of disqualification. How could I make a disciple of another person? Well, the first starting point, you've got to be one. Tick that box where you said, yes, I am a disciple. I'm going after Jesus. You know, Jesus' disciples, they were not educated people. They were actually uneducated people. The only thing that qualified them was their willingness to lay down their lives and follow him. They gave their yes to him. They didn't know where they were going. Jesus didn't say, come and follow me. We're going to go to this place and that place. This is going to happen and that's going to happen. And then we're going to go over here. He said, this is where I'm, I'm, just, I'm going, in this direction. They're like, yes, Lord, we'll follow you. Yeah. The starting point to being and making disciples is just wherever you are, right now, today. And you might say, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not sure I'm a disciple. Cool. So that's your starting line. Yeah. It's okay. God's not going to shame you. I'm not going to shame you. This church isn't going to shame you. If, today you're, if, if coming out of this sermon today, you, you kind of go, I, I don't know if I'm a disciple of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have the recognition and the revelation, awesome. That's good. That's better than being blind and ignorant to a reality. And if you go, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I feel like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on that journey. I'm, I'm, I stumble and I fall and I trip up. Like, welcome to my world. <laughs> welcome to everyone's world who's, who's a disciple and a follower of Jesus. It's not about perfection. And then you think, how do I know when I'm ready to disciple other people? My encouragement is think intimacy, not information. Not do I know enough, but do I know him enough? Because discipleship is me introducing someone to this person that I love and I follow and I'm going after. But we have, again, this notion where we've had so much Christian education We've listened to so many sermons and we haven't obeyed the word. We've read the Bible so much, but we haven't actually done what it said, which is the point of discipleship, that you would obey all the commands of Jesus. That we think, the issue is I don't know enough. That's my problem. Yes, that's why I'm not following Jesus. I just don't know enough. Yes, that's why I'm not making disciples. I just don't know enough that I could pass on information. So if I increase my information, oh, cool, then I'll be able to pass it on to somebody else. But actually, the thing is, what I need to do is, I need to increase my intimacy. So then I see him and I know him. Then I can introduce him and say, This is my Jesus. You can, that was a half hearted clap for a fantastic point. Obviously. I'm just kidding. It was a wonderful clap. I love your clapping. But that's what we're doing. We're introducing people to Jesus. So they say, okay, then I've got to know him. I've got to discover him. And again, not just reading about him, but I read about Jesus in the Bible so that I can come to know him through that process where it challenges me, where it confronts me. And then I'm like, cool, that's who he's like. How do I learn to become like him? And we've got this language around maturity, and we it's maturing disciples. I think there is probably some measures in this. I've got some scriptures for you of what maturity kind of looks like, but it's not, again, it's not a destination. It's just an ongoing for the rest of your life. So how long is it going to take to become a disciple? I don't know how long you're going to live, but it's that. <laughs> However long you live, that's how, that's how long you'll be a disciple for. And then you'll die and you'll go to be with him and you'll see him as he is and there'll be this complete transformation. But until that point, we're just moving towards him. But to become mature means my character, my very nature is being transformed into the nature or the character of Jesus. So I'm not learning and then just trying to do things against my will. My will is shifting because your will is your desire. So it says, I want to know God's will. Then you need to discover it. What does he desire? And when his desires become your desires, then you will fulfill his will. Because you're fulfilling his desires. If my desires are for things other than God, then I need to yield my desires to him. To not be conformed to this worldly pattern, but to be transformed by the renewing of how I think. So again, maturity does not equal perfection. Maturity is when you look more like Jesus than not like Jesus. It's probably a mark. When you cross over like the 51% point of like, Yeah. Only one time out of three do I get cross at someone when they cut me off in traffic, you know? So I'm like, yeah, cool, look at that. Yeah. I don't do that anymore, just to let you know. I promise. He's changed me. I just bless them, bless you. <sighs> yeah. It's when we think more like he would think. It's when we act in the way that he would act. It's when we react like he would react. But not as like, oh, what, what will Jesus do? Yes, I've got to try. It's like, oh, that's, I, just, I just reacted like Jesus would react. Thank you, Jesus. You've, my heart's been changed. I'm more like Jesus now. That means I'm a disciple. Like I'm growing to be like him. There are a bunch of, of scriptures that talk about maturity. 1 Corinthians 2.6 2, 6 says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. That whole 1 Corinthians 2 passage is all about um, th- this immature fleshly church that doesn't know the Holy Spirit, doesn't understand the things of the Holy Spirit. And so they're trapped. Paul is saying, we, we, I, I desire to know nothing am- amongst you except Christ and him crucified. And I didn't come with these like eloquent words of wisdom, but I came to like manifesting these experiences of God. I want to show you the power of God, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paraphrased. But, but so when we read that, we need to understand Christ in him crucified is not the pinnacle of knowledge and understanding. It's actually the baseline of, of what immature people need. Bring it, bring it back to the start. It's Christ in him crucified. It's the power of God in that act. Okay, come back to that point. Now we need to grow and mature. So you can understand the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, understand the spirit of truth that Jesus went and he said, it's better. So if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you don't know Jesus because he's the same spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. If you don't know the Spirit, you don't know the Father. If you don't know the Father, you don't know the Spirit. Like it's all intertwined in this beautiful Trinity. But there is this maturing that we can come into spiritually. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Ephesians 4 13 to 15. This is talking about the fivefold ministry, their role in equipping the church. And the end game is that we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. That's why we're gathered here, so we can. Come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we'll no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, into Christ who is the head. Philippians 3.15, let those of us who are mature think this way there's there's a, a number of other scriptures and that's just literally with the word mature in it and there's a whole lot of other scriptures that kind of express this is what it looks like to be a mature follower of Jesus so a mature disciple is not measured by what they don't do but rather by what they do this is what I was talking about before it's not yeah I don't do all those bad things anymore it's like but what good things am I doing go after the good go after righteousness Sitting okay? Is it confronting you? Good. it's Confronting me. I'm not the only one. Um, I've been listening to some uh, podcasts by a guy called John Mark Comer. I've been uh, also reading the Bible about this guy called Jesus. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry checking, just checking. Mm. Um, but no, just, just really appreciating the simplicity. So it's, it's really, and there's this kind of movement of, of people coming back to the kind of ancient ways of, of Christianity, and it's really beautiful. But he, he talks about these kind of three uh, key focus areas uh, for, for us if we're going to be disciples of Jesus. And it's, it's being with him, being like him, and doing what he did. So, for me, I like to think of it because just to help remember. So, I'm like, it's be with, become, and behave—the three Bs of discipleship. But we have to, if we're going to be like him, we have to spend time with him. And this is—it's important that when we think about with our devotional life, our time that we spend—that if your prayer time is all about telling him what you need or what you need him to do. Um, I'm not sure that's, that's, the, that's, um, that's what maturity looks like in prayer. And also, it might be a good starting point, because I'm, I'm in need. And there can be desperation that's good, and it's okay to, to, to tell God, hey, Lord, this is what I need. And, and the Bible says, I mean, he knows what you need before you even ask him. So you're not going to surprise God. Um, but, but really to be, to be with him is to, to get to know him. But that's usually what you do when you spend time with someone. It's, That quality of time is... So for me, it's often like I'm not saying anything. And if I read the Bible, it's to discover who he is so I can maybe examine myself and say, and I'm not like him in that place. Well, Jesus changed my heart. Make me more like you. It's certainly not so I can go and memorize the scripture and quote this and feel like, yeah, I know more about him. It's like, there's just no fruitfulness in that. There's no fruitfulness... In knowing more about God, and yet not doing more to become like God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus literally said <laughs> in, in the Gospels, "If you you know, there's there's these people who hear my words and they don't obey them, and he called them foolish builders who build their house on sand." So there's this structure of something, and it looks like a house. It is a house, but it's been built on sand. And he says, "So then." The wind and the rain, the weather comes and like the Apostle Paul is talking about in, in Ephesians, you know, these, these winds of, of doctrine and cunning things and all of a sudden the storms come in life and the whole thing crumbles down and falls into a heap. So say, so, well, I don't, want, I don't want my house to crumble when hard times come. Maybe, you felt that maybe you've known someone who's been like, yeah, passionate, hard after Jesus and all of a sudden hardship comes and then they're gone and they're no longer following Jesus anymore. But if we build our house on the rock, which is those who hear the words of Jesus and then go and do them, or go and obey them. And in the obeying is when oftentimes the transformation happens. It's in the trying that I'm confronted of my lack. It's in the like, well, you've, you said go and love your enemies. I'm gonna go do that. Who's an enemy that I have? That person, I'm gonna call them up and just say, hey, I just wanna let you know that I love you. And they turn around and they say, well, I just want, I want to, I'm gonna give you a different you something you, <laughs> a stuff you, you know? And uh, and then you think like, well, that's not the outcome that I wanted. How dare you? I caught up to let you know that I love you and then you're talking about this and well, stuff you too. And you go, cool, all right. Well, I did what Jesus did. <laughs> Tick the box of obedience. Well, you, you did part of it. <laughs> and then what was revealed is actually my heart is... is there's some pride in that because my expectations well you should respond like this because I did that and, and whatever rather than coming into that place and and then recognizing wow I, I, I did that from the wrong motivation or a lot I, I reacted poorly to that situation I'm I i was not yielded to you and so I obeyed and then what was revealed is actually man my heart is not I don't love my enemies actually deep down I hate my enemies Actually, deep down, I want the worst for my enemies. And I want them to be punished. And I want to feel justified in bad things happening to them because maybe they did bad things to me. And then we realize, wow, I don't have the heart of Jesus. So the purpose of obedience is to reveal where we're not like him. But it's okay because then in that moment, we get to go, but Jesus, I want to be like you. Show me how. Teach me how. Teach me how to love like you, Lord. Teach me how to be at peace when somebody curses me. Teach me then not just to be able to receive it, but then to go back with blessing. Yeah. It's really, really hard, but it's in the doing that the transformation happens sometimes. I've had that. I've shared maybe this story with you before where I had someone betray me early on in, in the life of, of Paradox, and I was a, a person that I loved and I cared about, and I had them betray me, and I remember the moment where I felt like God gave me the question. He said, you can, you can say stuff you... To the, to the place where I was living, the, to the city of Quinana, or you can take this hit and learn what it is to be a spiritual father. I was like, okay, Lord, I, I choose, I choose to, to, to take the hit, the brutality. Choose, I choose the stripping away. Yeah. I, tr- I choose the pain of journeying through betrayal and forgiving and loving again and releasing, you know, and blessing them. And it, it changed something in me. But where my heart was initially was, no, I want to give the opposite of that. So I'm confronted and I have the and when I yield to the confrontation, then I get a different fruit. So it's be with him, become like him, behave like him. I'm going to teach more. We're going to do a lot more in this. We're not going to bombard you with like, this is all the things that we're going to do to help you to make a mature disciples. It will overwhelm you. Uh, because it overwhelms me. And uh, so, but, so we're, not, we're not, it's not, and it's not about lots of activity. It's just saying, hey, this is where we're going and we're going to trust the Lord to continue to unravel and reveal different plans and pathways that can help us all to move in that direction. But I love that, that baseline that he said. Because really love is the foundation and the focus. We desire to be like him and we'll only desire to be like him because we love him. We'll desire to be with him because we just love him. Like We just want to be with the one that we love. We'll desire to obey what he has told us to do because we love him. And we can't make other people love. You can't make someone obey. But if we're not loving him, then maybe that's why we're not seeing the change that we desire in our hearts. So to desire to be like Jesus, we must have a desire for Jesus. We must have an admiration for him. We must, there must be an adoration in our heart that when we think of him, we're like, yes, you are good and I want to be with you and I want to be like you and I want to do the very things that you called me to do. If we don't love and admire Jesus, then our hearts won't be postured towards him and we won't be willing to cost ourselves to be like him. I love my wife and I cost myself in a way for my wife that I don't cost myself for other people. I love my children and I love them so much that I cost myself in a way that I just don't cost myself for other people. I'm not saying that's admirable, but I just know there's a, that love in my heart causes me to sacrifice myself in a way that I wouldn't if the love wasn't there. So if we're finding it hard to follow, like, oh, I just don't want, oh man, what a drag. It's like, okay, I've got to come back to, Lord, stir up love in my heart for you. Yeah. So if you're finding yourself lacking in your pursuit of him, go back to, to, to love. Go back to that starting point. Adoration is the doorway to transformation. Adoration is the doorway to transformation. A beautiful time of, of worship this morning. And, um, and I felt like God wanted me to, to wave the flags. And um, There's so much opportunity in that to be embarrassed. <laughs> so she's a man. Like I, and I don't feel like... I mean, my wife says I'm a little bit too alpha sometimes. And I'm, not, I'm just not trying to inflate myself. But like I'm, I ride a motorbike. I drink beer. You know, like I like sport. Like I'm not a, I'm not. I don't particularly feel like I express myself as an effeminate kind of person. Um, and if you think I do, then watch. No, no, oh, no, that's, okay. um, no that's not what Jesus would do. Um, but but there's these moments where I'm like, but it can't be about that, and and protecting myself. And especially in a time of worship, like there's only one person in the room and that's him. <laughs> so actually, well, who cares what somebody thinks, but there's also part of me where I'm like, but, but as, as, as one leading and setting an example in this community, I, I, I want you to know that you have the freedom to express yourself fully before the Lord. And then I think about, well, and what was it like in, you know, in, the, in biblical times? And you think obviously of David, but the, the reality is, Worship can become this feminine thing. And, and I look around, it's like, man, there's lots of women at the front and there's only a few guys. And, I, and yet, all throughout the scriptures, men were the ones who worshipped. Men were the ones who set the standard. Women weren't allowed to. So it was men that were leading the way. And I just want to encourage you as men, you have freedom to do so. And if you don't have freedom internally, I'm not saying you have to come up the front and wave flags, but I'm saying if the Lord is telling you to do that, I want you to have the freedom to say yes. That's all, that's what really matters there. It's not, so we don't need to, oh, well. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, well, I've got to go do what, no, don't, don't do what I do. Just be free to do what Jesus wants you to do. That's my desire for you. So how are we going to help you? how are we going to help one another on this journey? Um, obviously, we want to equip you with tools so you can grow and mature. Um, but there's going to be, it's, it's all of us working together. It's all of us supporting one another. We have you know, we have this framework called DNAs, discipleship, nurture, accountability, an opportunity where you can get with others that will help you on this journey. Because you can just say, I want to follow Jesus, but I need community around me. I need people to help me to stay accountable. I need people to help to stir up the the fire of God in me. And so that's the whole purpose of those things. But um, we want to equip you to be able to share the gospel effectively. We want to equip you in all of these tools. But again, at, at the end of the day, its it's... I can't make you do anything. And you can't make someone else do something. So we can it's all it's all got to come down to each one of us saying yes to him. Yeah. Has to be yes to him. Yeah. When you say yes to him, then you'll say yes to his ways and you'll you'll invite that support and that encouragement. We want to help people to to get on this journey of, of spiritual formation into Christ's likeness. And so we're working on, on tools and, and things behind the scenes. But all we can do is offer people the invitation to follow jesus and so where do we start in this well it has to start with us encountering jesus ourselves it starts with us forming the habit of being with him and abiding in that place and i know this morning dumb like i'm i'm tired i go to bed at a reasonable time set my alarm this morning and then i wake up an hour before my alarm isn't that annoying Oh man! So I'm like, okay, geez you want me to pray? or like, what, you know? And so I'm just, I'm just yielding to God, and then I fell back asleep, and then I had this really short kind of moment in a dream, and I, I was right about here, or maybe over there, and uh, but it just, it just reminded me of, of this moment where I first encountered the Holy Spirit. I'd been a Christian for, a, for a number of years. I didn't grow up in the church, but I'd, I'd become a Christian. I was a youth pastor. Um, I planted a church. Um, but I didn't really know the Holy Spirit. So one third of God was unknown to me. I knew about him, you know, but like, and I had experiences and I kind of had the gift of tongues. I just didn't really know how, how to steward that. And, but I had this moment where I just encountered the presence of God and it changed everything for me. Just radically changed everything and not, not that I immediately became something, but it changed pushed me onto this new journey of discovery and I want to encourage you if, you've, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit you might have theology around that that, that differs or whatever I, if you go search on our YouTube I've got a sermon on baptism in the Holy Spirit you can listen to and you can get at least my theological perspective I didn't have a theology around baptism of the Holy Spirit until I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and then I discovered the Bible's full of all of this stuff about it all of these scriptures that I happen to conveniently gloss over but even the Holy Spirit is such a confronting thing. The Holy Spirit will confront your control systems because he's not interested in you controlling things. He's interested in being control, in control. Um, but it does, it just, it confronts us. It confronts us with the reality where I can, I can read the Bible, I can have a belief in God. And yet, the reality of God becomes so abundantly clear when I experience the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage you, keep pressing after. I've prayed 50 times, pray 100 times. I've come forward and I've asked people to lay hands on me and I just don't feel like I've encountered the Holy Spirit. Just keep doing it. Just come as a child. I did that myself. I would just keep going. When I, when I first received, had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, I would go to every single like, charismatic conference that existed. Like Literally within two weeks, we'd flown over to Queensland because there was someone there, lay hands on me, lay hands on me, lay hands on me. Like I was just hungry for, for more of this encounter because I knew the difference that it made in my heart. The reality is the hungry will search him out. So just ask the Holy Spirit, God, stir up my hunger for you. Bring me back to that place where I was excited about following you, Lord. Stir it up in me. Instead of asking, what do I need to know? Ask, who do I need to know? And find others to help you on that journey. Look for people who are following Jesus. Just ask, to, hey, can I spend time with you? Can I ask you, how do you do it? What are your habits? What are your rhythms? What are your ways? Can you pray for me? Can you lay hands on me? Just get hungry and stay in that flow. Ask others to help you grow. As I mentioned before, these DNA groups, it's it's just people getting together. You don't have to form a DNA group. That's just a a framework that we have that can be helpful for you. But just get around people that can help you to move forward with Jesus. I'm gonna pray. Would you mind, if you're able to stand? Thank you, Lord. I just encourage you, if you're able, if you've just feel comfortable to just to close your eyes, just to tune out. This is not a you and everyone else in the room kind of conversation. I just really want you to have a conversation with Jesus. And I feel again, as he does, he just, he's just always offering us this invitation to follow him. The invitation stands. I so want you to know that first time that he invited you, that invitation still stands for you. It's still relevant for you. So wherever you are, wherever you find yourself this morning, the invitation still stands. It's like, man, I just feel like I've been going every which way apart from Jesus. But I just want to encourage you, allow the discomfort of the confronting possibility that maybe you're not a disciple of Jesus. Don't run away from it. Don't run away from that feeling. It's confronting. Because we ask, well, Jesus, what provision did you make for those who believed in you but didn't want to follow you and you made no provision, Jesus? Jesus. those who follow after you are your disciples, Lord. But we're not Christians if we're not disciples. So then what are we, Lord? We're just playing this game that kind of looks like something that reflects Christianity, Lord. But Father, I don't want to play a game. And Lord, even for me as a pastor, I know in my life, I've just been through so many seasons where I've just caught up. I get caught up in... Christian activity or I get caught up in hardship or I get caught up just feeling like, man, this is too difficult. But the invitation still stands for me to follow you. Do I desire to spend time with you, Jesus? Am I I carving out time in my week just to be with you? Am I I allowing you to challenge me and transform me? Or am I just looking for ways to avoid the difficulties? I'm just looking for the easy road, not the narrow road. But it's only on the narrow road do I find the life that you have for me. Do I get caught up just doing the things that fulfill me or comfort me rather than the things that you're asking me to do, Jesus? God, I thank you that you don't shame us, Lord. You don't put shame on us, God. I say the Lord is not ashamed of you. The Lord is not disappointed in you. He's longing for you. God is longing for you. He loves you with an unending love. And for your sake, he's like, love me back. way of Jesus is the pathway to experience the life God intended for us it's the pathway to experience the deep fellowship and the deepest parts of our very own desires and God we've been created to live in intimate connection with you but the way that we get to that place is by following your ways and being transformed into your likeness Jesus So I thank you, Jesus, that the invitation still stands this morning, Lord. And Father, as we embark on this journey as a church, Lord, this is not a new concept, God, but Father, where where we've been following our own ways, Lord, and I see your invitation and your invitation still stands and I just wanna say yes to you, Jesus. I just wanna encourage, just give you a yes to him. I give my yes to you, Jesus. I wanna be your disciple, Jesus. And I thank you that that's what qualifies me. It's just a response of a yes. A yes to the invitation. There's so much power in that declaration of a yes to you, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon each one who has given their yes, Lord. I pray just for fresh encounters with your presence, Lord. Maybe for the first time you'll feel God in your body. And it's not because it's like, oh, that's cool. It's like, you're touching me, Jesus. You're holding me, Holy Spirit. I'm feeling you, God. I love it when I feel God's presence because I know He is in me, but I love it when I'm experiencing Him. There's just something that it stirs up in me. But we're not going after signs and wonders like some sort of, cool, faddish thing. But Lord, we wanna see You break out. We wanna see multitudes of little Jesuses spread right across this city, right across Perth, right across Western Australia, Lord. But it starts with us becoming like You. So we say again, we take up the invitation, Jesus. We say yes to following You, to being Your disciple. And we say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, would You come, Would you set yourself up right before us and would you lead us into all truth? We know everyone's journey will be different, but it'll be the same narrow road. So we thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. We thank you for your freedom, for your life. We thank you for your power that enables us to pursue you on this journey we thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us back to first love. That's the starting line and the finish line, is to love you. So we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.